Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This week's episode of Game Dev Unchained is sponsored by us. <laughs> That's right. This one is for all the students and new hires in the game development industry. We've compiled all of our career tips and secrets into a must-have guide called Game Dev Unchained Game Industry Survival Guide. This 10-chapter book breaks down the most important steps that you need to really get your career going. So if you love our podcast, you definitely want to check out our book. It's available today on Amazon. All right. Thanks, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the number one podcast on game development and the lifestyle. I'm Larry Charles, one half of the Game Dev Unchained podcast team, and I brought back with me the very first kid-tested, mother-approved model, Mr. Brandon Pham. Yes, what's up, everybody? Mothers do love me. This is Brandon Pham, and please welcome our special guest this week, Jeff Spoonhauer. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back again. Hey, Jeff. How you been? Yeah, doing well. Doing well, keeping busy. So Jeff is one of our uh, earlier guests. He helped supported us, and we supported him in some capacity <laughs> when we had five people listening. But this is a year later episode. Uh, if you remember, Jeff uh, talked to us when he was beginning his indie project anew, uh, the distant light, and now he's in the process of getting his stuff kickstarted. So we're gonna revisit and project while uh you know what's happening during that time <laughs> <laughs> soothsayer yes but <laughs> for the first timers uh, can you just quickly go through your resume yeah. don't have to go in depth but just a yep. little background absolutely yep um so let's see here uh went to um uh grad school at rochester institute of technology finished up in um, 2002 with an MFA in computer animation, um, went straight into the industry as an animator at EA, actually at EA Tiburon in Orlando and worked on the NFL street games, um, went to a variety of studios. I was one of those guys that flipped around every two to three years, worked at, um, Volition on the Saints Row games, um, did a lot of, a lot of full-time freelance work for Sony as a cinematic director, um, animator, and then um, my last studio gig was at 2K for almost six years as a um, senior video, ed- video editor, animator, did a lot of cinematic stuff on projects with 2K. And then in 2012, I started teaching at the University of Notre Dame. So I'm an assistant professor here teaching um, Maya classes, 3D, uh, you know, digital production stuff, sound design, um, previs, post-production type stuff. And... Um, Started working on my indie game, A New The Distant Light, about two and a half years ago, I think. <laughs> you sort of start to lose, uh, you go into that long, dark tunnel of indie game development. Uh, but yeah, about two and a half years, yep, been working on the project. Here we are. How was that? Was that quick enough? That was great. That was great. All right, cool. 
so uh yeah the last time we we heard from you uh you were in year production you were starting to go to uh, show it off right mm-hmm. at these places like what, what was your first uh place that you publicly mm-hmm. yeah so the first our first venue for showing off the game live was at uh comic-con in phoenix phoenix comic-con in arizona um which was interestingly scheduled in June. So mm. like, it was 115 degrees that weekend <laughs> uh, in Phoenix. So it was pretty brutal, but the show was awesome. Um, and that was sort of, it was really validating because we finally got to put it out in front of people and let them come up and play it. And people really liked it a lot. We got a lot of really good feedback. Um, and I mean, the game's come a long way since showing it off, but we did get a really good reception at, at Comic-Con. We won an audience. Cho- we won the audience choice award, which was nice. really exciting. Oh, fantastic! Um, yeah, yeah. We have this uh, really cool gold-plated Xbox One controller award, which is kind of kind of it's the only award that we have right now. So it's like you know, <laughs> <laughs> pretty first, special. The first yeah, and first and only. Uh, <laughs> and then um, after that, we we were sort of it was sort of interesting. The um, the head of PR at Unity basically made with the, the made with Unity group. It's a separate group that highlights develop, um, developers using the Unity engine to build games. Mm-hmm. He saw a tweet of ours, just, just the timing of it just worked out perfectly, you know, where he saw a tweet of our trailer and he thought it looked awesome. And he ended up inviting us out to the made with Unity showcase in LA. Mm-hmm. And that was last fall. So that was awesome because they sort of picked I think like 35 or 40 games across the world of that are, that are being made in unity that they're excited about. And they picked ours and brought us out and we got to again, demo it live for people. And we made, it was just such a great trip. We met so many industry people, internal people at Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, Facebook, all these great people were there playing the game. And um, so that was a really great opportunity for us to just sort of expand our network. And again, just get feedback on the game. Um, for, for now, that's it. We are just like, we're really trying to focus on development. And then uh, because these shows just take so much energy and so much time to prepare for uh, that um, we were just trying to focus on development. And then of course the Kickstarter that started yesterday, mm-hmm. that's been my full-time job for about two and a half months, just mm-hmm. getting ready for that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's just the two of us making the game. Small yeah, it's, it's still the two of you guys just mainly making the game right yep. now? Okay. Yep. Steve Copeland is doing all the programming. I'm doing all the art, mm-hmm. animation, sound. Um, and then we have our, um, I say two full-time, but we do have our great, amazing composer, Will Roger, Wilbert Roger II, um, all right. scoring it. Yeah, he's he's just fantastic. So, yeah. His name sounds fantastic. <laughs> 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 very proper yes. we call him will we call him will Sorry. your kickstarter's up for one day how's it doing it's doing well man we steve and i slept so badly the night before the kickstarter launched we, <laughs> we messaged each other each other in the morning i'm like i was waking up every hour looking at the clock it was horrible and he was like oh man i did the same it was terrible but then it ended up being good um we've been on for we've been live for about little over a day and we've already hit 30 percent of our goal of our thirty thousand dollar funding goal oh uh, nice yeah in the in the first 
there's sort of like this statistic with Kickstarter where if you can get sort of like the general thinking is, is if you can get 20% funded in the first 48 hours, your chances of success in the end are, I think, like 90% or something. So we're uh, obviously hoping that that. <laughs> so hoping true. statistics are yeah. helping you. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, in this episode, out. yeah, I mean, what I really am interested is in, in the process of, you know, you were, you guys were publicly showing and eventually got picked up to do mid made with unity, talk to these execs. You know, I'm very interested in the process of how to, uh, well, prepare for the first show, right? You guys went over to Phoenix, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, was the submission was pretty straightforward. You guys just gave them a, a site link. They checked it out. They, they liked it. They invited you the trip. I mean, how much do they cover? Yes. Do they cover it at all. They just told you to, to show up. Here's your booth. You know, what was that mm-hmm. like? So the, um, the Comic-Con process was a little unusual because they are, their presence at Comic-Con, it, it, let me step back a second. They, this is like the Arizona video game developer showcase. So it's, it sort of started small and it has been growing year over year and their little corner of Comic-Con has become more and more popular uh, I see. Um, over the past couple of years. And they keep growing and doubling in size and adding more developers. So um, through some, a few sort of personal contacts, we were put in touch with these people um, that organized the event. And they, they were just, they just kind of took a look at our trailer and they just said, this looks awesome. Do you guys want to come out and show the game? That's really unusual. And we were very lucky to get in sort of the back door that way. Mm-hmm. So we're really, we were really grateful on that front. Um, but yeah, like they were super easy to work with. It was really inexpensive to go to that show. These shows can get really crazy as far as costs go. Like when you go to big shows like PAX um, and E3 and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but the costs were very reasonable. We got to interface with like, you know, there were over 100,000 people at Comic-Con. And I think we had 20,000 people go through the game wow. room. So there's just a ton of, it was just a constant stream of people. So it was really tiring, really tiring. Mm-hmm. I felt like a nurse. My mom was a registered nurse, and she used to come home at the end of the day saying that her feet were killing her because she was standing all day. Yeah. And so I felt like a nurse. So but, were you just you guys just rotating while you're standing there, just making sure the game was being played correctly? Yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other thing. But we had two laptops set up, hooked up to monitors. So Steve was manning one, and I was manning the other. Um, that's how we split it up. And it was tough because you just don't really have a whole lot of opportunity to leave the booth Mm -hmm. and just get some fresh air and just get a sip of water or something like that because it was so busy. Um, but it was packed, but, but the opportunity was good. Again, just going and getting hands on with people is really, really valuable for them to just play the game and they can just look at you and say, this feels really good. The controls feel good. That looks good. This, this you could probably use improvement. And I just old school, I just had a spiral bound notebook notebook and a pen and I was just writing notes down. And then yeah. after the conference um, or after the show, Steve and I went back and the next day when we got home, we just had a Skype call and we just went over all of the notes mm-hmm. and split everything out into cards, Trello, um, Trello cards to basically tackle for making improvements to the game. Wow. So you gave fans direct access to the game design. That's pretty dope. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, we didn't take every single comment they gave us. And we're like, oh my god, we got to do that right now. Um, but some of the some of the feedback was really good. So um, it was a valuable trip. So uh, I'm sure you had some internal testing before the show. You through friends, close friends, and family. Were there any big surprises? What was the bigger surprises when just interfacing with actual people that you've never met? playing your game were there any surprising comments that really like oh I, I didn't even think about this or heard about this about our game that helped you guys yeah yeah i would say sort of the types of the types of comments that we got that we hadn't thought about were more related to controls mm-hmm. very specific i don't know how interesting it would be but just specific things like you know when you press down on the controller the player will squat down and you can sort of locks you into place and you can shoot right. i mean pressing down an a makes the player slide along the ground oh. those are just controls that we built ages ago they've been there since the beginning of the project um and we're just used to them we had a handful of people that were suggesting alternate controls and 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 stuff like that that we hadn't even thought of so that was it was just good to have that uh look at the game in, in a, from a perspective that we hadn't taken on it. And I think it's going to, that those kind of things are going to continue to grow as we push the game out in front of more and more people, obviously our sampling of, of, of people playing, it's going to, we're going to get all sorts of, of stuff coming in feedback wise. Right. How long was the conference? Did you guys have to stand there? <laughs> <laughs> we just, we just stood for like 72 hours. Wow. Same clothes. No, I'm just kidding. We, 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 <laughs> it was about two they, days worth at least, right? He chained us to our desk and we had to just wear the same clothes though. Oh, sounds like work. <laughs> it was, um, I think it was three or four. It was four days. Four days. Of, yeah. Jeez. I think the first day was like six straight. It was like six hours. It was like four to six hours of straight demoing a day at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty typical for these shows. It's really intense, like physically and mentally demanding yeah. because you're talking nonstop too. So your voice basically goes out by the end of the first day and you're thinking, Oh my gosh, I have to, Yeah, I'm done, man. I am fried and we're only at the end of the first day and I got to yeah. keep going. Well, yeah. if you were to do it again, would you have a better way of doing it? Any advice <laughs> to people who are about to do this? <laughs> yeah. Man, um, this is pretty common feedback that developers give that go to shows are just like, you're just, you're just going to lose your voice. You're going to be really tired. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot you can, I, I think that's actually a good thing. Cause that means you're interfacing with a lot of people and people like your game. And so, yeah. um, if you don't, if you're, if you're not tired and you still have your voice at the end of the day, that's probably, it's probably not a great sign, but, um, just bring, uh, bring hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we had a huge pump bottle of uh, aloe uh, hand sanitizer on our desk, and people actually were thanking us for that, which is nice. That's pretty good. I don't know. So, that's, uh, that's a question for you. Ahead, it sounds like you guys are pretty far along with the game. How much left do you have to build? Yeah, we've been working hard on it. Um we're estimating uh, we're estimating probably realistically another year mm-hmm. okay. before we ship on PC. Um, we haven't really made any formal announcements because we're you know we're just working as hard as we can. We we know pretty much what 
the scope of the game is and how much we need to build. And we think realistically, yeah, prob- probably a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, anything can happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know how that goes. You guys have been working in games for a long time. I'm actually glad you said probably a year because when you say probably, you're being you know more accurate than when you say a year. That's when you're <laughs> yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, you'll never hear me put an actual date on anything. <laughs> so has your uh, schedule remained mostly the same? I know you're a family man. You teach, yeah. and your 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 partners roughly the same as well. You guys aren't completely full time. Maybe your partner is. I yeah, he's the situation. Yeah. So like how yeah. like how many hours are you finding during the day to work on this? Yeah. And how consistent are you? Yeah, we're still schedule has remained the same the whole way through production. Um, yeah, Steve is, is completely full time on the project. This is 100 percent what he's doing. Um, so and then I mean, honestly, for me, I've got a family. I also teach the game is still my full time job. Mm-hmm. So it's still managing my time as far as my supporting my students and my classes being sharp for my lectures being a good husband and father <laughs> so In yeah it's pretty cra- it's pretty it's pretty <laughs> challenging um we're holding it together though yeah it looks it looks great man you guys have been kicking it yeah we're enjoying it i mean we're having fun and you know each show that you go to each step along the way you sort of have to step back and be like, you know what? It's just the two of us. Let's just be, try and be proud of what we're doing and, and like be happy that we've made it this far, you know, because it's just so hard and there's so many challenges along the way Mm -hmm. that aren't even related to making the game. Like making the game is 50% of it. The other 50% is just trying to balance out your life and all of the other stuff that goes with making a game like PR and marketing and business development. And, um, there's just so much, there's just so much that goes into it. So the fact that we are alive, we are on Kickstarter. (laughs) We're just, we're just trying to take a deep breath, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's important every step of the way that you realize you're passing graveyards of, developers that didn't <laughs> didn't make it past that point yeah it's like you're walking through the cemetery looking at the, the tombstones and you're like that's not me <laughs> yeah. that's another one mike that's not me either yeah, yeah. so good. yeah yeah like so, so after the show right you you stood there for three or four days six 46 hours of just talking to people sanitizing <laughs> their hands and yours yeah like, yep. uh, was there a significant spike, you know, on your social networking, just people following people interested that you saw immediately from, from yeah. a show like that? Yeah. What we did, um, we actually forgot to do it the first day of the show and we sort of kicked ourselves, but again, just r- a really basic thing that we did that was, um, very helpful is we just put out a sheet of paper that said, join our, jo- join our mailing list. Mm. Right. We just put it out. We put a pen on it and you just put your name and your email. Um, And we just, we, we built up our newsletter significantly doing that. And what we also did is we sort of, we said, Hey, at the end of the day or at the um, the end of the show, we're going to randomly pick a few people off the newsletter to give away a free steam code of the game to. And then once you start giving stuff away, people are like, yeah, man, 
I'll give you all my personal information. <laughs> social security. Yeah, go for it. Social. Yeah. We had to add a social security field to the card. <laughs> it's, a, it's a slip of paper. No, I'm just, I'm just teasing. But, um, but yeah, the newsletter was great. Um, we had like our social media handles on the demo table. So people could just kind of come up and be like, yeah, I'm going to, I want to follow you on Facebook or Twitter. Right. They just take it. So we saw a pretty decent bump. Um, a lot, you know, the funny thing was a lot of people would come up and just be like, this is really cool. I, I want to buy a copy of the game. Oh, right. So we, had to, we had to keep telling people that it's not done. We're just, this is the first time we're showing it. Mm-hmm. So if you're at the point where you're showing your game and you can offer pre-orders or if you, if you can just bring little slips of paper with steam codes on them mm-hmm. to sell at the show, that's a really great way to just, to just get some revenue and get, build up your audience and actually, sell copies of your game right on the show floor is it so one day we will be able to do that yeah i mean is it too crazy that's, that's a very good point like uh especially at shows like that it, it's so simple to add like a web page with the purchase a pre pre-order purchase mm-hmm. and to to tell them like oh you want to buy it well it's not done until this time but you can buy it right now and yeah have you in the and we just weren't ready i mean we're so early yeah um it's a good but the other the other thing that's becoming more popular is you'll get a physical uh, version, like a boxed edition of your game made. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they're not too expensive to make as an indie developer. And you can just get a run of those made. And then they're all shrink wrapped and they look really beautiful. And you can just bring them along to the show and put them out and just sell them for whatever, 30, 40 bucks a pop. You know, it comes with a soundtrack. It comes with stickers and a poster. And um, so that's becoming popular, too. Uh, what is that? Is there a specific company that does that? Uh-oh. Yeah, you know, there are a few. We had a really good call just a couple days ago before we launched our, launched our Kickstarter. We, Steve and I decided that we wanted to add a, like a collector's edition of the game as a backing tier at a, at a sort of mid-high level. And we wanted to do a, like a physical boxed edition. So we had a good chat with um, IndieBox. They're very popular now. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of them. IndieBox.com. I'll look them up now. In in no way am I affiliated. I'm not like <laughs> like a marketing shill for them or anything. But um, but their their products looked really cool. They were very friendly, and um, those are one. That's one of the one of the groups we talked with um, as far as a people that will handle the entire process of manufacturing everything, boxing it up, and then they'll actually ship it out too. Right? They'll do fulfillment. So once you send them the list of people that you want to mail this stuff to and they'll charge you a little extra. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, um, they're, uh, they're one of the more popular uh, companies that does um, that type of stuff for indie developers. Mm-hmm. One of the things I keep hearing with uh, indiv- independent developers is the interaction on their uh, social networking. Like you said before, PR business dev stuff is, it's a full-time job, but you got to do yeah. it half the time when it's just two people. So yeah. how did you maintain that, 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 that spike of people that, that are coming into your, your website? Yeah. For us, it's been a, it's been more of a slow trickle, which I think is pretty common for, for people like smaller quote unquote unknown indie developers. And most like 95% of us are, are just off the radar. Mm-hmm. We're not Jonathan Blow. We're not Play Dead. You know, we're working on our first game. Mm-hmm. Even if you have a really long 
background and working on really big projects in the industry, once you go off and do your own thing, indie wise, nobody's going to know who you are. So you have to fight tooth and nail to get people's attention in this space. And it's pretty brutal. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as managing, managing time between developing and, and like dealing with all the outreach and PR stuff, it's, uh, you know, we try to just focus on development, but realizing that the marketing is a necessary evil. I mean, if you don't market your game and if you don't try to build a following, your game will fail. It, it just, it will fail because no one will know who you are. Um, and you won't, especially if you're trying to do crowdfunding like Kickstarter, mm-hmm. we delayed our Kickstarter several times in order to continue to try and build our, our following. Yeah. Cause if you go, if you pull the trigger on a Kickstarter and you have, you know, 73 people following you, it's, it's going to tank. Yeah. And that's how most of uh, most Kickstarter indie games fail is the game. The game could actually be fantastic, but nobody in the press knows who you are. You don't have a following and it just sort of sits there. Um, yeah. But you, managing that, it's a huge challenge all the time. It's a huge distraction from development. Um, but it's sort of like um, I have sort of taken that on personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sort of lead that effort because I want Steve to be focused as much as possible on code, on systems, on features, and just so we can get to feature complete on the code side as quickly as possible and then and start building out the, the world of the game. So I, I, I'm, I try to shield him as much as possible from that side of, of, that, of the game. So uh, you seem like a guy that does a lot of uh, researching and statistics. Is there a number <laughs> that you found that correlates to a successful Kickstarter campaign? It's like, all right, so we got to build up to at least this amount of people yeah. to get this amount funded. Like, is there statistically out there something like that? Man, I wish there was. We spent so much time preparing for this thing and researching really just an ungodly amount of time <laughs> um, for the amount of money we're trying to raise. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really equal out as far as uh, input output. But, yeah. you know, there is there's you're going to get tons of advice from there's a lot of there's a lot of information out there from a variety of developers who have done Kickstarters and they'll say, we believe you should have a new a mailing list of 5,000 people if you want to do a Kickstarter. Or we believe it's essential that you have 2,000 people following you on Facebook. And, you know, yeah, who, who wouldn't want that kind of we, – we want that, but you can't just magically get those numbers. I mean, it takes years and years and years of – hard work to, to get those figures and to get that number of people following you and caring about your project. Cause mm-hmm. no one's going to care about your project until you've been working on it for a couple of years. And it, it just looks, it has to look amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't, we didn't honestly have those kind of numbers going into our Kickstarter, but you just, at a certain point you have to just do it. You mm-hmm. can't, you can't prolong the thing forever trying to meet numbers that other people are telling you that you have to meet. So, you know, I, I wish I had some sort of magic advice. I think we, Steve and I got to the point where we just sort of looked at each other and we said, I think the time is right. I think it feels right. The game looks good enough where we think people are just going to buy into it organically just by finding it on Kickstarter and through our decent, fo- decent following that we have, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I browse 
on your Kickstarter. And the thing I realize about uh, different campaigns when it comes to Kickstarter is that, you know, that you get the ones that uh, show the developers talking about the game <laughs> versus yeah. the ones that just show the game. So you guys yes. opted into like, hey, yeah. we actually made this. Check it out if you like it. And yes. surprisingly, I didn't really see you in there talking about it. So was that yeah. a specific strategy that you guys yeah. went for? Okay. That was very much a conscious decision that we argued over for a long time. Um, I was, I was very, I was early on telling Steve, we got to, we got to put our heads in there. Yeah. And he was very adamant about, Steve was very adamant about not doing that. He just said, people don't, people really don't care anymore about, the indie story they don't they don't there's so many people making indie games that the fact that you guys are making an indie game and you have this experience in triple a it doesn't really matter they want to see something that's really polished that's really impressive so we went back and forth i'm like how about just for like five seconds and he's like (laughs) dude he's like we don't need to do it he said let's just make the game look awesome and just let the game speak for itself a hundred percent and people will get it. And so that was our, that became our strategies just said, just put as much gameplay in front of them as possible. And we think if we've done our jobs, well, it'll shine and people will get the concept and uh, hopefully believe in it. So, yeah, it sounded like he was tired of seeing your face <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he didn't want anybody to see his face. I don't, I don't... <laughs> yeah. Probably both. Uh, Maybe a little bit of both, probably. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, I mean, it looks great. I mean, I, I think there's some validity. Maybe later, uh, when you get your backers and you have these tiers broken down, you can be like, hey, thanks, guys. I mean, those are... Like, the one thing I do like is seeing who who's... You build sort of like a like an internet relationship sort of with your developers seeing who's behind the game and you kind of want to support that right. even more, yeah. So I think there's some value just seeing... A head yeah. pop in and like thanks guys you know yeah we and we do uh towards the bottom of the page we have there's a pretty detailed section on who we are with a nice big photo mm-hmm. and we're really active on the campaign page answering questions and responding to comments and we totally agree you have to have a presence in some way on the page we just wanted people's first impression Great. of the game to be the game itself and then if they want to know more just scroll down and you can see who we are uh, and I don't think there's any right or wrong. Like some people like to put themselves in the video and I think it works sometimes and that's fine. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> the attractive, the, the attractive game developers, right? <laughs> the one that doesn't make the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the marketing guy, the business yeah. guy. Yeah. So, uh, my, my question after the show, right? So you guys, went through a, a bizarre three to four days of hellish uh, standing up PR stuff <laughs> and uh, got a significant spike from day two to day four, right? Uh, just having that sign-up sheet and then going home and maintaining it. So eventually the Made with Unity guys saw a tweet, right, by chance. Right. And was it literally just them emailing you like, hey, uh, let's let's get talking. Uh, we want you to come yeah. to the show. And how was that show different yep. from the first one? Sure. This is a great example, I think, of why you have to market your game. I mean, if if I hadn't just posted on Twitter and Facebook our trailer and just been like, you know what, I don't 
I don't know if anybody who's going to see this, I don't know if anybody's going to care, but I'm just going to put it out there and just try and be fearless about it. This is a perfect example of that because yeah, we, uh, I just posted it on social media, 15 minutes. I actually tagged it with the made with unity tag. So hashtag made with unity, Mm -hmm. which I hadn't even heard of until like 10 minutes before when I saw someone else doing it, Mm -hmm. another unity developer. So I'm like, okay, let's just see what that does. And then just 15 minutes later, I got a a direct message on Twitter from a guy named Dan Adams. Um, Dan Adams is, he's sort of like the head guy, head outreach guy at made with unity. And he's like, this looks really cool. You guys are making the game in unity. We should get to know each other and chat. And a couple months later, he came back and said, um, we're doing, we're, we just started doing this made with unity traveling roadshow thing last year. And it was really popular. Um, why don't you guys submit your game? So it wasn't like we went in through the back door on that one. This was an actual, um, adjudicated type thing. So you have to send them a build of the game. They played it, looked at it. Um, and then they liked it and they invited us to the show. It's, that's basically how, how it happened. So, you know, now everybody in their little like indie game is going to be like made with unity. <laughs> yeah. Regardless of what engine you're using. Yeah. Made with unity. <laughs> yeah. At Dan. At Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, getting your game across the finish line, what's a, a major hurdle that you're actually excited about tackling? That's a good question. Um, where I'm excited about just getting back to game development. Oh, there you go. I, I've been in marketing and Kickstarter prep mode for so long now. Um, and we're super excited about the campaign itself and about interacting with people. But once the campaign's done, I'm just looking forward to getting back to creating the world and like making it, making an awesome game that we can put in front of the world, you know? Um, And then we sort of take it one step at a time. Let's build this level. Let's get these characters in. Let's tell this part of the story. We'll move on to the next one. And all of that stuff builds up, try and do every little piece really well. Mm -hmm. All of those little pieces will come together into hopefully something that's larger than the sum of the parts. Um, That's I just want to make the game. I want to work on the game. We don't have a marketing department. Pretty typical for us indie folks. <laughs> Is that a problem you think that we need to solve better as uh, indie developers? I think you personally need to do a better job, Larry, of helping us all out. It's really complicated. I mean, I think what it comes down to is there's just a lot of people. There's so many people making indie games now that the market is saturated. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't think anybody's responsible for, I don't think anybody owes anybody anything. I think you just have to make a game that's really amazing Mm -hmm. and that stands above the crowd. And then once you do that, hopefully good things will happen and people will take notice of you. Um, You can't, you, we can't, we've learned that you just, you can't force people to cover your game. You can't just be like, yo, IGN, no matter how many times you email IGN, trust me, because I've tried. (laughs) No matter how many times you email Giant Bomb and IGN, they just they're those guys just don't care about you until you've you gotta scratch and claw your way to the top. And then once you get there, you earn that right. You know, you earn the, the privilege of being able to be covered by those outlets. So we're trying. We're, we're trying to get there. Yeah. 
So how, so you were mentioning the, the the conference. Was that so? Is that a pretty big conference? Where was that exactly? The Made with Unity guys. Yeah, the Made with Unity. So that is the Made with Unity showcase is the name of the show, and that is Im- sort of embedded within the conference, which is called Unite. Right. So Unite happens every year. That's Unity's big developer industry. It's sort of like a mini GDC for Unity people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in LA. And yeah, that was a th- another three-day show. And they had this really nice space set up. Each developer got their own little kiosk with like a 40-inch monitor, um, an individual work, uh, set up. They were all sort of uniform in their, in their placement and everything. Um, but yeah, we got to meet a lot of it – was, it was a great opportunity to meet really talented developers because we're all sort of right there hanging out. Everybody's really cool, friendly. We got to – exchange information and there's a lot of vr there so i had never done vr so i got to do some really cool uh vr games there's this really sweet mech game where you put the helmet on and you're inside this giant mech and it was pretty fantastic um yeah so there were a lot of conference goers it's not like a public thing it was all people that were at the conference that came and played our game but also tons of other industry people like we met all the heads of Facebook and Mozilla and Google, mm. um, all these internal tech guys from Microsoft would come up and be like, oh, we really like the lighting in your game. Like if you guys go to Xbox one, we want to, we want to like maybe do some HDR stuff and like maybe highlight your game as an HDR capable game. Cause the lighting, lots of really nice contrast and color and stuff. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of great conversations and, connections made on that front internal nintendo like guys guys and girls that are engineers that work internally at sony and microsoft and nintendo that when you get on their platform for distribution they work with you directly to help support your game as you're trying to get through certification Mm -hmm. so now we have some direct connections to people like that which is super valuable yeah so do you feel like that's a, an effective strategy for marketing or replacing marketing where, you know, you did the uh, made with Unity and then Unity jumps on to help you out. And then now Sony is like, oh, we really like where this is going. Or Microsoft yeah. is like, hey, we like this. We're going to help promote. Is that a, a good way for indies to kind of focus on marketing their game? Yeah, I mean, I would we consider that grassroots. It's basically grassroots marketing because you're not really – you're not paying, you're not paying a lot of money to advertise on websites and on podcasts and stuff like that. It's definitely one way to do it. That was our plan the whole time is to just try it that way first and see how it goes. Okay. Um, so we've been pretty fortunate on that front as far we've had a couple good opportunities. Um, there are, there are a lot more that we haven't been able to take advantage of yet. Like larger shows that we're just not ready to submit to yet, probably next year like the PAXs and all that stuff. Um, I think you can only go so far doing that. And then at some point you're going to probably need to spend some money doing ads and, and getting your stuff out there in front of a larger audience. Um, it, there, there's nothing wrong. You, if you can make it work, uh, you know, more power, definitely more power to you, but we're sort of already thinking about, siphoning off some money production money for for marketing a little bit later on 
All right, that makes sense. Finding partnerships like that early on is definitely cool, but I I understand if you're saying we're just going to focus on making a great game and then yep. things will come, right? Um, but is there, I guess, one piece of advice that you could give that you would say like, all right, if I were to spend time actually marketing the game or like advertising the game, has there been anything that's been effective for you guys besides the, uh, we'll give away a prize if you put your social security on this email list. (laughs) (laughs) And the social security numbers of all your family members. Yes. Yes. We'll throw in a free download of the soundtrack for the game. If you do that. Yeah. And I know I ask a lot of marketing questions, but a lot of our listeners are developers who just have yeah. no idea how to get the word out. Yeah. Marketing is a huge, it's, it's one of the biggest challenges we face. And I think all your other devs that listen to the show are probably nodding their heads that are trying to make an indie game. Um, you know, I would say the, that's really all we've been doing so far. We haven't paid to advertise yet. Okay. Really the, probably the best thing that we've done so far that we've worked really hard on and and spent so much time on is the Kickstarter. Okay. And the the Kickstarter is such a great way to, to build an audience and to get to spread the word on your, on your project. And again, you don't really, it's Kickstarter takes a cut of what you raise, but other than that, you don't have to pay like $5,000 to start a campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really, I really think you got to just, really focus as much of your time on making the game special in some way because if the game itself isn't unique in some way or special or looks beautiful or is fun all the marketing all the money you spend marketing on the game isn't going to mean anything because that core thing that you're trying to sell to people if it's a stinker (laughs) you know you you can't polish a turd right (laughs) yeah i've tried but if you're a good marketer, you can sell polished turds. <laughs> That's you've seen that. I've seen that. So, like this whole process uh, of doing the Kickstarter campaign, which is can be gruesome. Were there any tools that helped uh, before and after to to kind of drum up some attention before launching your your campaign? Yeah, let's see. I'm trying to remember back. Um. You know, we started press outreach a long, long time ago, and I think that's really important to do. As soon as you have something that looks decent and you can put your website for your game up and do some screenshots or a trailer, as soon as you you get to that point, that's when you want to start reaching out to to websites and individual press members. And I mean, I personally did a ton of work for about a year and a half now I've been trying to build relationships and it starts small. It starts with the smaller blogs, the smaller indie game websites, going to those sites, seeing who they cover, finding out the the actual names of the editors who write the stories, getting connected with them on LinkedIn. And then that's a big, a big tip I think is connect on LinkedIn and then you get each other's personal email. And then you can start contacting these people as a real human being and not as spam. Mm -hmm. Um, so building up a spreadsheet of press contacts and then, um, if they like you and they like what you're doing, you'll start getting some coverage and you'll start getting some stories written about your game. So for us, that's how we approached it again, like very grassroots, um, starting small, small to mid-sized sites and just trying to have them come to us and, and get, get the name about our game out there in front of, of people. Um, and then it's just relationship building and um, with, with those people in games media. 
and they'll keep coming back if they like you. They'll keep coming back for more on your game. Um, and that and um, you got to have Facebook. You got to have Twitter. Those are required. Mm-hmm. People always tell you you got to be posting, you know, four times a week on Facebook and Twitter. I just think that's BS. There's just no time for it. Um, unless you have a social media person dedicated and you're really producing stuff regularly in development that just looks amazing. I just think it's a waste of time. I don't Uh, have that much time to absorb that much content from one source anyway. Yeah. And I mean, social media overall is just a wasteland (laughs) anyway. um, So the chances of you getting your stuff in front of people, spending all that time on something that very few people are going to see anyway is has we've decided that's not been worth our time. Um, So anytime we do post to social media, we don't do it frequently, like maybe once a week, not even that we'll put something out that's really cool and meaningful. Um, And then we will sometimes pay on Facebook. Like we'll boost our post. We'll pay 10 or 20 bucks to help push it out in front of more people. Um, So to, to make sure that that meaningful content actually is seen by people. And then just, just dude, just work on the game. Just make the game awesome. (laughs) So you can get into shows. Uh, Real quick. If it had to come down to one platform, Twitter to support your game or Facebook to support your game, the other one has to die. Which one are you keeping? (laughs) We have a significantly larger following on Facebook. So I would probably, I would probably uh, stab Twitter in the back. However, (laughs) Now that our Kickstarter campaign's gone live, our the, the Twitter following has been increasing significantly. So I feel bad saying, I feel bad <laughs> saying that. Um, there seems to be more engagement on Facebook, like real engagement on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And you know how Twi- Twitter is just much more transient. You know, it's like people click the heart and then, but there's like, there's very little actual click engagement on your, on your content. So... Yeah. I'm just letting you know I've seen this. Click. (laughs) So how much more exposure outside of your core audience after day one uh, on your Kickstarter? Like, have have you seen like a lot of people sharing, a lot of people seeing it for the first time? Yeah, it it totally, it's been awesome. Like, we are so grateful to everybody that's showed up to the campaign so far. Mm And again, that doesn't happen magically. I mean, we've, Steve and I have probably sent out 1500 emails over the last two days to friends, family, former colleagues, websites, um, past and present students at school, faculty, staff. And it's nice because you see like, who, who cares about what you're doing? And it's, and more people than I thought would have showed up shown up to the campaign have. So that's been encouraging. Um, and you know, you, we're not begging for money. We're just like, you know, go and check it out and see what we've been doing for the last couple of years. And if you like it, you know, feel free to pledge. Um, but yeah, engagement is great. We've been getting, um, Kickstarter did the little projects we love as soon as we launched, it was there. So, uh, which was exciting. Yeah. The out, the games outreach person at Kickstarter, emailed us before we even launched and they said we see your project in the queue and it looks really great and we want to try and help you to get eyes on it so that was also encouraging um yeah so we're getting a lot of backers who are just seeing it on kickstarter and they think it's cool um 
And we're going to need a lot of that to cross the finish line. Mm-hmm. You know, family, mom and dad and uncle Joe and aunt whoever are only going to take you so far. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you mentioned before the, the process of just maintaining the Kickstarter campaign has been gruesome, right? Like it's, it's like yeah. a full-time thing. Like, has it been mostly just responding to supporters on commenting? Has it been mostly just updating them on, on what's going on? Yeah. Keep them interested is, I mean, what's the major yeah. part of just maintaining a 30 day, I'm assuming a 30 day Kickstarter, right? Yeah. It'll be a little over 30 days. Yeah. Right. Just for timing reasons with days of the week. Right. Um, 95% of the work that we've done so far is just preparing for the Kickstarter. Mm. So when I say that, I mean the actual contents of the page, like making sure every asset is beautiful, all of the copy, all of the text is really well refined and honest. Um, And then all of the outreach that goes into all of the emails you have to send to the press, right? So we sent out a whole round of emails a month out, and then you have to follow up. You have to do social media posts. um, And then we followed up with everybody again a week out from the Kickstarter so there's a lot of stuff going on. All of those emails are custom. Um, you know, I don't use mail merge. I don't spam. Mm-hmm. I don't have one email that I send to a thousand people. So there's just a lot of uh, fortitude as far as um, emailing people and getting the campaign ready and just doing re- like what works, what works and what does not work on Kickstarter. So you have to research 50 different campaigns. Um, what tiers did they use? What rewards do they use? Um, are we going to be able to afford to ship t-shirts to Lithuania or whatever? Um, so that's been most of the effort so far. And now that the campaign started, um, it's, it's keeping an eye on comments, uh, answering questions. We also have a steam green light page going. Mm. So we have two campaigns running concurrently so we also have to be keeping an eye on comments on that page um and and then um up campaign updates right we had to plan out four weeks worth of new content that we're going to release to backers each week so making of videos on art process uh how the music is composed interviews with the, t- the team members, you know, talking more in depth about the game design process. It's this huge thing that you have to build and support for, for a month. And um, if you want to, if you don't, if you want to do it well, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't, if you don't put that effort in it, it probably won't succeed. So. How has that's the, why uh, I'm so tired already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like six over there. Or something. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, how, how has this, uh, students over there reacted to all this? It's like to have a teacher that's yeah. actually doing stuff is a rare thing nowadays. <laughs> like it must be pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, they're excited. Um, and I've had some students for a couple of years, so they've seen this thing grow from inception, you know, the idea coming all the way through. And I try and share stuff with them, like what I'm doing and, show them models and cinematics and stuff of what we're doing on the game. And yeah, I mean, I just welcome them to ask questions because I know some of them want to do this. So I'm just sort of like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm pretty much an open book. So learn, try and learn from the mistakes that, that we're making. So you don't do it yourself. Yeah. But they're good. We've even had some students back us on the, on the Kickstarter, which is oh. really cool. 
That's that's when they really need good grades. They really, yeah, they really <laughs> want that A. Yeah, I had to, I had to tell them that. Um, you guys realize that I'm not bumping up your grade. <laughs> you're still failing. <laughs> yeah, you're still failing. <laughs> Thanks though. <laughs> yeah, and then their pledge disappears the next day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will tell you, you did get backed by Game Dev Unchained during this podcast. So hey. there you go. Yeah. I appreciate it, guys. Of course. Thank you so much. It's it's the most we're willing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did that come? Well, I think it's you're Set, supposed. It's the least you could do. Did I mess that up? <laughs> that seven dollars each. Seven dollars from Larry and seven dollars from Brandon. <laughs> there you go. We'll take it, man. We'll take it. It all adds up. Yeah. So, uh, so this is one of the things that, you know, this is kind of talking to the students out there. It's a weird time. It's an exciting time. I mean, the, it's really doable now to be a student and jump into indie. Mm-hmm. But I, the thing that I always fight with, at least with my students is that, um, you know, the exposure to AAA developers, the exposure of going through the industry, kind of learning everyone's role is, is so important. So, well, I mean, what, what what is the balancing advice that you give to these guys? Yeah, I just try to be as honest as I can and not pull any punches with my students. And I tell, I give them the same advice. If they come into my office to chat, I I advise them to, and it's not like it's any easier to do this, but I say, I would try to get a job at a studio, and it doesn't have to be a big, fancy AAA studio, but any professional experience you can get working on a team, communicating, understanding the value of like getting your work done on time and, and to high quality do, and doing game development professionally with a group of people, I would definitely hands down go in that direction um, because you're going to learn what it's really like to work on a project um, and also build a network. You know, the networking and, and making friends within the industry is really important. So if you go from school directly into your parents' basement, you're losing out on a huge amount of value as far as all the other things that come from working with, with around other people. Um, but I also say, look, I mean, if you're really passionate and you have the skills and you want to take a run at it and you have someone else, one or two other people who want to help you out, I say, go for it. Cause you never know when you're going to get lightning in a bottle, you know, mm-hmm. that's very unlikely to happen, but mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, the odds are always against you. No matter which way you go in games, it's 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 a pretty tough nut, you know, to crack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That getting that foot in the door is very tough. So, yeah, it, it's it's definitely a thing I, I I struggle with to 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 tell them because I do feel that when you when you graduate and you go in the industry, I feel like you are pretty much a, a candle. That's <laughs> that's burning out. Yeah. And like the lot of Oh my god, it just blew out already. <laughs> yeah. I just lit the candle. Yeah. How like, could it be extinguished? It's though? a really real thing. The burnout rate is, is insane, right? Just just yeah. so there's like a certain level of optimism that I, I, I love about students is like they're wide eyed, they're loving the industry. Like they, they I was like, Oh man, you know, I want yeah. you to keep that and if you can jump into India, be successful and still have that fire, that's amazing, you know. Yeah. At the same time, to be realistic, you're 
you're competing with AAA guys who've done this for a while. <laughs> yeah. And it's not to say that it's not an equal ground, right? And AAA guys yeah. are still struggling with the idea of going indie. And even with all that reputation, even with all that networking, it's a tough road. So yeah. it's a weird, it's a weird type of situation to, to consider. Um, and the really, the really funny thing is, is no matter what side you're on, yeah. if you're doing studio work or if you're doing indie, no matter what you're doing, you're going to be looking to the other side and saying, <laughs> yeah. dude, I just want that so bad. Yeah. <laughs> like I can tell you working on this indie game, we've passed up freelance opportunities. Yeah. We, we, you pass up that stability of just mm-hmm. going into work, working on your assets, going home. Mm-hmm. We, we, we have to live it. We're always thinking about it because we love it. But then I'll get emails from friends working on these really big projects at Activision or whatever. And they're like, Man, I he this one friend called it the content mines. I'm I'm working in the content mines, and I just want to like work on an indie game. Mm-hmm. And I, and I just have to say, it's not like it's not like a dream or anything. It's I want the mine is kind of my safe zone. <laughs> like yeah. I, I kind of want to be in your mind right now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like stability versus instability, freedom versus safety, risk and risk yeah, and reward. Risk and reward. Yeah, it's it's weird. I don't know what the, the, the middle road is yet. I think we're getting close to figuring that out. I mean, things are opening up to make it easier for us, but at the same time, it's crazy, right? You know, no, no. And then, but then the competition is so stiff because yeah. more people are doing it. Yeah. Hey, we'll let you know soon how it goes, right? <laughs> You're going to go back and retroactively delete all of the podcasts that I'm on. <laughs> yeah, this is on standby, depending on the There will be these gaps in, in the numbering on your <laughs> on your iTunes page. Uh, well, I mean, we're really excited. I mean, we talked to you a year ago. It's it's. It's awesome that you're sticking with it. Like, that's the big thing. Consistency, <laughs> right. if anything, is the huge, huge thing that an indie developer has to climb over. So, yeah, we're still here. Yeah. So, <laughs> guys, I'm going to do this part for you. Like, go over there on Kickstarter. <laughs> go support them. Maybe yeah. we can work something out. Yeah, but, a, like, new, a new The Distant Light. A-N-E-W. Yes. Go ahead and see if you can outbid our donation. <laughs> it can only, it can only go up. It can only go up from what you. Right? It was basically what we had in our pockets. <laughs> it's not that I wanted to only spend a little bit of money. He's like, I live in San Francisco or I live in California, man. I can't give you more than $10. <laughs> no, we, uh, we came in at the $14 level. So we wanted to copy the game. All right. Beautiful. But I hovered over that dollar for like a good two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate the 14 times increase in your support. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm looking at my stopwatch and it is telling me that we've been podcasting for about an hour now, just a little over. And you are a veteran of the show. So you already know what I'm going to say next. Go ahead on and jump on the mic and tell everyone you're, what you're excited about, what you want to promote. Yeah, I mean, for us, obviously, right now, we've got our Kickstarter in full force. So if you're a fan of indie games, if you like a unique sort of visual experience, we're making a a Metroidvania-style platformer sci-fi game. And really, just um, if you just take five minutes, go check out our page again. If you think it's cool and you want to pledge, we would really appreciate it. If not, just sort of take a look and share it with your friends who might be interested. And we're on Kickstarter. The name of the game is A New A-N-E-W, The Distant Light. 
All right. Well, uh, my name is Larry Charles. I got the mic. It's a very early morning, and I'm saying good night. <laughs> that was dumb. <laughs> Thanks for the opportunity, guys. Yeah, see you guys. All right, see you, Brandon. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.